Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. Find the right people for your business this year at LinkedIn.com slash fool and get $50 off your first job post. That's LinkedIn.com slash fool. Terms and conditions apply. It's Thursday, February 7th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hale. Joining me in studio, Bill Mann in the house. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm good. Good to see you. I'm better for the sight of you. That's how I am. <laughs> uh, we've got Chipotle earnings. We've got Twitter earnings. We've got to start with the deal of the day, though. We've got a bank merger. For the first time in a more than a decade, we've got a big bank merger. We do. SunTrust and BB&T are teaming up in a $66 billion, what is being called a merger of equals. They're, yeah. not, they're not quite equals, but uh, it's an all-stock deal. This creates the sixth largest bank in America. Shares of both SunTrust and BB&T are up, so I'm assuming this is a no-brainer. Yeah, I mean, we're <laughs> if all you're doing is <laughs> looking right. at the stocks. You go, wow! You are what the scoreboard says you are. Yeah. Well, so a couple things have happened. One is that uh, the Trump administration has lowered some of the inhibitions for bank mergers that have been in place since the global financial crisis. The other thing that has happened is that is that banking, and particularly deposit taking, uh, has changed a little bit, and. The regional banks, of which SunTrust and BB&T are, are having a little bit of a difficult time competing with Citibank. I mean, even Goldman Sachs now has checking accounts and you know, and uh, branch access and things of that nature. So it's it's a good merger for both of them. They are not community banks anymore, um, and they risked kind of being in that you know that spot where they weren't. The hugest, so they didn't have access to you know to certain types of capital, but they're not tiny anymore. So I get that there are a lot of good things about this, and a lot of synergies that can be wrung out. This does seem like the resulting entity should put them in a better position to compete against the even bigger banks. Yeah. That being said, there are a couple of things. Behind this deal, that have <laughs> not just you and me, but I think a lot of people scratching their heads. And let's start with the fact that we've got Kelly King, who's the CEO of BB&T, yeah, is going to be the CEO of the combined company until early September of 2021, when William Rogers, the CEO of SunTrust, is. I going want to call to... him Will Rogers. Yeah. I'm desperate to. William Rogers yeah. is is going to take over as CEO. What? Why are they? Why are they having this revolving door in the? It's a little bit office? of actuarial arbitrage, as we might call it. So Kelly King had said in, in earlier that he was planning on retiring in 2021, and so that's a pretty clean process because BB&T is the acquiring bank, even though it's you know it, it is a a merger of equals. Something funny about BB&T: BB&T is from Eastern North Carolina, and the company is called. Branch banking and trust, and everyone thinks that that's that has to do with their strategy. No, the co-founder from 1872 was named Branch. Oh, yeah, Alpheus Branch and Thomas Jefferson Hadley founded this bank. So it is it is a bank that has retained the name of its founder for 150 years. The other interesting thing about this merger is that BB&T is based in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and SunTrust is based in Atlanta. But after the merger, they are relocating headquarters to Charlotte. 
So Charlotte is will once again have the headquarters of two of the six largest banks in the country. That's right, because Bank of America is down there. Right? Bank of America is there, and also uh, Charlotte is basically the number two headquarters for for Wells Fargo. So once again, Charlotte Bank City USA has you know maybe the biggest winner in the in the whole deal. They have not decided on a name for the resulting. It's got to be Branch, though. Now that we've de- <laughs> now that we've determined the history, how can you walk away from that? Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they come up with. But certainly, we've we've yeah. seen rebranding efforts go awry. So hopefully, they just uh, they do no harm. By the way, before we before we move on, can you just share with the dozens of listeners what you shared with me? The little fun tidbit about SunTrust Bank, which I was not aware of. Oh yeah. Uh, so SunTrust is actually this is actually a pretty big loss for it. Atlanta, because SunTrust is a is a is a an Atlanta institution, and one of the things that SunTrust has in a vault is the formula for Coca Cola. The Coca Cola company keeps their original formula hidden and locked in a vault at SunTrust. Do you think that's now going to be moving to Charlotte? Well, I think once again, yeah, maybe once again, I think uh, we we have an opportunity to rename a stadium since the brand spanking new Atlanta Braves stadium is SunTrust Field. So, who knows, right? Yeah, um, I don't know if they'll move the formula or not. Uh, I yeah, I doubt it's hard to move the, a recipe, but <laughs> probably going to find where it is. Uh, let's move on to Twitter. Fourth quarter revenue and adjusted profits came in higher than expected, and nobody cares. Um, shares down ten percent on, among other things, uh, pretty light guidance for the new fiscal year. Yeah. You know, we we like it when CEOs are very transparent in their communication style, and in this case, Jack Dorsey being upfront about the fact that they're going to be their operating expenses are going up in 2019. Yeah, they've added some employees, although it is still a pretty light. You know, they they have less than four thousand employees at Twitter, which surprised me. Um, Twitter also has had a uh, had an issue over the last several quarters where their where the number of monthly active users has dropped. And one of the strategies that they have for solving this is that they're no longer going to report monthly active users. So that's that should help. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and it is something that you know that uh, investors look very closely at in terms of the health of you know of of this company. See. Uh... Maybe this says something about me, but I always, I, I always opt for maybe not outright cynicism, but I'm. Oh, al- you're a cynic. I'm. I'm always instantly curious whenever any company that has been reporting a certain metric comes mm-hmm. out and says we're not doing this anymore. Yeah. And I view I mean, cynicism, not the right word, skepticism. Because I think now you can be cynical. It's okay. But if if there was an advantage in them to continue reporting it, they would. And so right. my default setting is well, clearly there's no longer an advantage in it for you to keep reporting that number. That's right. Uh, and this is actually one of the greatest hints that I can give people in terms of trying to analyze companies. If you look back over a few years and they report or focus on different key performance indicators each time, it means that they're really just trying to show you at all times what looks best for them. So, yeah, I mean, perhaps Twitter's argument in this case is that it's a slightly misleading statistic since, you know, since all of their um, monthly users are not worth anywhere near the same value. So they feel like they've got a better, you know, they've got a better measure um, than this. But 
it, this is something that people pay very close attention to, and the cynic or skeptic among you know uh, in you would definitely go to the fact that yes, they are taking this away at a point in time in which it's been declining. Stocks still up over the last twelve months, even with the drop today. But yeah. I, I, Jack Dorsey has been doing a bunch of interviews lately, sort of long form sit down interviews, both on podcasts and you know sitting down with magazines. He did that recently with Rolling Stone. And considering the fact that Twitter is a twenty three billion dollar company, Jack Dorsey still talks like someone who isn't sure what he wants this business to be. Yeah, it's long been Twitter's such a mystery to me and one of the things that uh, that that has always concerned me was the quality and the depth of the management. For a time, there was a revolving door. Jack Dorsey uh, has been focused on a lot of different things. I mean, you know, I, you hear more about him like Fasting or his weird diets or going to Burma or whatever it is that he's you know it, it, he's up to, you know one of the one of the things that I look at for companies is you know is whether if a company disappeared tomorrow would it be painful for its for its users and in this case. You would definitely say yes. Twitter is for anyone who's on Twitter and uses it on a regular basis. I would absolutely say yeah. yes. Yeah, I mean, it might make ESPN broadcasts a little easier. You know, like you don't like blah 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 is tweeting about you know LeBron James is is tweeting about fencing, whatever it is. But it really is a utility in that way. But at the same time, maybe it's just me, but I don't know what. This company does to expand or to make its members and its users more valuable. I just, I don't see what Twitter can do, what lever they can pull, and it's just not for, you know, for a company worth more than twenty billion dollars, it's not very profitable. Quick shout out to LinkedIn. You want to make that perfect hire this year that can set your team up for success? Sure, you do. Of course, you do. If you're hiring, Who doesn't? you want to hire good people, and where are you going to find them? Well, you go to LinkedIn. When it comes to posting your job, you go to where you have access to an engaged community that people visit every day. Most LinkedIn members are not checking job boards regularly, but nine out of ten LinkedIn members are open to and interested in new opportunities like yours. With most of the U.S. workforce on LinkedIn, posting on LinkedIn is the best way to get your job opportunity in front of more of the right people. It's no wonder that a new hire is made every eight seconds using LinkedIn. So, find the right people for your business, because you want the right people working for you. Find them at LinkedIn.com slash fool. And, as a bonus, $50 off your first job post. That's LinkedIn.com slash fool. Terms and conditions apply. Unlike Twitter's fourth quarter, Chipotle's fourth quarter, boom! I feel like we need to have LL Cool J playing in the background for 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 this particular segment. Don't call it a comeback. Don't call it a comeback. Shares up fourteen percent. It was a strong quarter. Traffic up. Same store sales up just over six percent. In this environment, coming off of the, it's unreal. Coming off of the year that we just had for restaurants, yeah, six percent is tremendous. And. Chipotle stock was up 14% the last I checked, and it was not as if Chipotle stock has not already had a torrid 2018. They are not bouncing off of the bottom. So I I went back and looked because I just wanted to see what kind of momentum there was for 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 uh, for Chipotle. So you've just said that for the fourth quarter it was 6.1% same same store sales growth. Uh, for the third quarter is 4.4%, for the second quarter is 3.3%. 
the first quarter was 2.2%. So their mom- they they have had a lot of momentum. Uh, Brian Nickel, uh, you know, has caused uh, a huge amount of optimism uh, behind the brand, behind you know, behind the company. Uh, you know, he's gone in and he's fixed a lot of things. I think it's I think it's very safe to say that. Chipotle has now gotten past the really horrible queso issue, and then, you know it's really. And oh, I can't remember what, what else happened with them. I don't oh, quite. They, they had a couple of health issues. They had well. some health issues. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, the, which weren't which which were real, and they and they really did a lot of damage to the brand. Absolutely. And that's and to me that's what's most important. Another thing um, you look at uh, that's rising within Chipotle is online orders. They they highlighted that in the report, and you know that's something that we've been watching with this company. And I think that the fact that they sort of laid out this blueprint for uh, we want to have dedicated space in the kitchen just for the online orders. You know that's uh, that's a smart move. That's also from an execution standpoint that can be tough to pull off. Right now, they look like they're pulling it off. Yeah, nicely. and you remember not you know not not that anecdote should take the place of data, but how hard it was to actually go in when we had online you know, ordered online from Chipotle several years ago when they'd first rolled out their app. The other thing that's becoming meaningful for them is what they call the Chipotle Lane, which is the drive-throughs at Chipotle that are you know that are that are keeping people. You know, moving through different channels at at the same stores, and it has definitely. I mean, the numbers are astounding for what they have done over the last year. No, from a business standpoint, it's great. Just from a a word standpoint, Chipotle. Uh, that's in the same. That's, camp, that's in the same camp as Zestimate for Zillow. Like, it's like okay, that's cute. That's cute that your drive-through window is called the Chipotle Lane. But all right. to be fair, I'm not sure if they're calling it that or if that's what's been socialized. So let's not let's not blame them too much. I mean, the Zestimate. That's that's. Yeah. That's right. We're going to put that all on them. Um, <laughs> and hey, as as you indicated, uh, in all seriousness, just imagine if they get Queso right. Just imagine, just imagine what you know if they can get. Because anytime we look at restaurants, anytime we look at retail, one of the things we like to look at is the average ticket price, not just how many people are coming through the front door, but how much are they paying when they're getting ready to walk out. And if they can get queso right, then all of a sudden the ticket price goes up. Right. I've been trying to. Uh, I've been on a little bit of a health kick, trying to get myself back in order. So queso has not been on my on my list of things to go and eat very much of. But it was pretty easy to not eat Chipotle queso over, uh, let's call it 2017, going into this last year. Um, yeah, if they if they fix that, and you know they've been they've still been testing chorizo, which is delicious. Um, so you know they they've got a number of levers that they can pull to bring some additional excitement into into the restaurant. Because I want you to succeed in your health kick, I'm just going to tell you: stay away from District Taco because, <laughs> because those people know how to do queso. Those people, their queso and their uh, guacamole yeah. are outstanding, and someday I will be able to have it again. <laughs> Bill, man, thanks for being here. Great to be here, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.